Airbnb introduced more than 50 updates to make things easier for people to use them. One of the most notable ones is they're doubling down on being able to rent individual rooms in people's houses. I mean, I don't really want somebody staying in the same house as me that I don't know. I don't know. It may cut down on company. I don't know. Maybe just rent out the laundry room. I mean, like it's kind of like a, a very small laundry mat. Or the bathtub. You can sleep in the bathtub. Just garage. Just have them pull in. They can stay in their car. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Touchpoint. Welcome to episode number 330. Chris Boyer and I am Reed Smith. Hey, Reed. Don't don't mind me. I'm recording from the walk-in closet here that I'm renting off of Airbnb. Yeah. Can you sublet season tickets you have instead of reselling them through traditional platforms? You just like resell your tickets through Airbnb. Uh, writing that down, that's a good business idea, Reed. Well, welcome one and all. Thanks for joining us for yet another week of Touchpoint. We certainly appreciate the support. We've got kind of an interesting topic today. I'm sure you've seen the title and have some assumptions about what we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, I want to mention the website, touchpoint.health. Touchpoint.health is the website where you can go to find out more about this show, the episodes, the topics, Chris or myself, etc., and while you're there, you'll know something called the TPS report up in the top navigation, name, email address, and what that affords you is one additional email each week on a Monday that uh, gives you a few articles to kick off your week. So we'd love for you to sign up for that. Hopefully it's value add and something that uh, you'll enjoy and look forward to. We'll pause here for a second, let you do that and be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Okay, Chris, today we're going to talk about something. It's not that we have not talked about this before. We've talked about consumer experience or experience, I don't know, a number of times. Maybe I should have gone back to look. But I've started hearing a term as of late and created an opportunity to start Googling around but it's this idea of being customer obsessed or consumer obsessed. And just wanted to start thinking about that as we look at, 
I mean, that's really the the opportunity that all of our organizations have is to be more consumer centric, right? And we see a lot about that. So I thought we'd spend a little bit of time today digging into what it really means to be obsessed uh, <laughs> <a> consumer. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe there's some interesting takeaways here. Well, it, it sounds a little creepy too, if you the way you say it, right? With all the concerns about data privacy and everything that's going on in our in our industry, you know, how obsessed can we be? But I think the concept of being consumer obsessed or customer obsessed is actually one that you're right. We've been talking about for a while, so yeah, I'm excited to to jump in today. So first article that we'll point to is something from uh, HubSpot, great resource and uh, obviously a good, good CRM product. They've got an article appropriately named, uh, what does it mean to be customer obsessed? And they go through about six things that really help kind of call out what that means practically, right? Like what mm-hmm. kind of actions are you taking to ensure that you are uh, consumer focused? So I thought we would... We would start and go through this and may kind of help frame some of the, the rest of the conversation. And spoiler alert, none of these six things are put the consumer first. It's actually strategies that businesses can adopt to start to become more obsessed. And the first one is interesting because it already differentiates us from other types of things that we, we've been talking about over the years. Prioritizing the customer retention over acquisition. And they say that this is the biggest distinction for customer-obsessed companies. Many companies focus on marketing and sales, like bringing in new customers, new patient acquisition in our space or whatever. But these customer-obsessed companies take a more methodical approach by looking at retention as being their priority. And that's something we've been looking a lot about. I even talked about in my session in Austin at HMPS is you know, using the EHR uh, to fuel your marketing efforts. And really what that gets down to is using information you have about the consumer to retain or even reactivate them, right? So reduce leakage, you know, drive reactivation. It's not so much on the acquisition side. So something certainly worth uh, focusing on. The second thing they mentioned here is quality over quantity. Ooh. Quality over quantity. They say that customer-obsessed companies are less focused on the size of the customer base, but more concerned with the relationship they have with the users. So again, mm-hmm. I guess this is where you get in some of the loyalty talk, right? Absolutely. If you can uh, retain and, and key in, you know, be sticky, you know, with your your customer base, then yeah, that's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah, it's like that adage, right? Instead of counting the number of people you reach. It's reaching the number of people that count, right? You want to focus in on those quality customers that are ones that are are going to be loyal to you. I like this a lot. This is a great, these are some great points here. And number three builds on this and it says, make sure to align every department with customer success. It's more than just your customer service department. Every team at your company needs to be customer service centric and align themselves around customer success, this will improve the overall experience before, during, and after the purchase. So it's not just marketing now. It's not just experience. It's everybody in the organization. I'm I'm liking the direction that this article is kind of leading us down. So again, continuing to build there, utilizing proactive customer service. Again, I think most organizations sit back and wait for feedback. We talked about ratings and reviews and things like that, and it's certainly good to monitor for those and triage that information and how to use that to, to better a process. And 
we've talked about the Baldrige process and things like that in years past. But this is talking about the idea of kind of getting out in front of that, right? You know, how do you solve for problems before the customer encounters them? That sometimes can get challenging in our industry, or at least let's put it this way. Traditional operations typically doesn't focus in on that, but that's something that I think that you and I in all of our work around trying to understand our customers and trying to understand the different demographics and personas that are out there in our market is an attempt to get ahead of that. But this goes even a step further, right? Adopting a variety of different self-service tools, they say, will provide support resources to customers who aren't interested in like talking to your team. So that's built into that. Knowledge bases, community forums, using market intelligence to understand your customers before they actually present with a problem. I like it. And that leads naturally to step five. Organizations have to be driven by customer feedback. When you you make any changes to the customer experience, they say it's important to understand the people who matter the most, your customers, and make sure you understand where their challenges are. So uh, NPS surveys or quantitative, qualitative feedback through all the different ways that people can give feedback in our industry, press gamey or, or NRC, whatever it might be, that can help you make some informed decisions to proactively, again, use their feedback to kind of develop the better experiences. And finally, rounding this out is uh, to take all of that feedback and data and et cetera and analyze it more than once. So uh, they say on a routine basis. So uh, don't let it sit around and gather dust, put it to use. Uh, look for trends, common problems. And I think an interesting call out in here is uh, share those findings with the rest of the organization. It helps more than just, you know, your department, right? So it's like, you know, how do you ingest this information? What are the insights, findings? And then again, if the, if the customer is the center of what you're doing as an organization, uh, then making sure that everybody understands what we're seeing, hearing, learning. You know, these six steps here going all the way from prioritizing retention, focusing on quality, uh, aligning everyone to customer success, proactively using customer service, customer feedback, and analyzing it on a regular basis. These sound really good, high-level approaches that you could take. But you and I both know that organizations that really want to become customer-obsessed it takes a little bit more effort than just putting six edicts on the wall, so to speak, right? You have to actually get into your organization and start to figure out the best way to do that. So why don't we do this, Reed? We'll take a brief pause and we'll come back and we'll talk about how you and your organization can start to align your customers to help you become actually more customer obsessed, so to speak. We'll do this right after this pause. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media.
Okay, Reed, before the break, we, we kind of outlined six high-level steps that HubSpot illustrated to be customer-obsessed. Saying those six things are great, but actually looking at existing organizations and converting them to become more customer-obsessed is uh, a bit of a challenge, right? It, it takes a little bit of a, a nuance to do that. So let's talk a little bit about that now here. And I think what we, there's this great blog post from Forrester that kind of illustrates some of the high-level points here of how you could start to look at your organization and become customer-obsessed. Yeah, so this, this article, uh, we'll link to it. And we're pulling out or kind of plucking out just a, just a piece of it, obviously. But it talks about the fact that, you know, not just your team, but the entire organization and different teams within it have their own unique perspective on the, on the customer, the consumer. And so bringing together those understandings really allows you to drive value and, and learn from each other and, you know, re- really start to kind of build towards being consumer obsessed or focused, right? So... Uh, we'll talk about it in a couple different different lights. The first thing that they they call out are, are B two B organizations. Mm. Okay. So I do think we are in that space, right? You know, you I agree. Can referral sources and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, there's a lot of B two B organizing and communicating and marketing that that goes on. But you know, and they call out things like marketing and product and sales teams and and whatnot. But these B two B leaders really understand um, they, they call about you know the, the customer life cycle in here right so they I think as we think about consumer journeys which we'll get into these are interesting groups where we align around you know the customer being a little bit of a different person in some respects it being b2b but also the consumer ultimately being who we're all trying to reach right you're right about that. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the thing here is, is when you talk about B2B outreach, a lot of times those in our profession, like physician outreach, or maybe working with a business outreach, there could be a variety of different B2B types of businesses within our health systems. They tend to have a better understanding of the customer life cycle and the customer journey. I think about, you know, I recently had a conversation with our pharmacy department. They came to the table with some very in-depth data around their customers, what their customer life cycle is like, what the customer journey is like, and opportunities within that journey in order for us to help improve the delivery of their product. Now, I think that's really interesting. That's something that I don't see that level of detail, I should say, from B to C types of work that I've, uh, in our industry, and and I'm trying not to disparage that, but what I really am saying here is that when you think about B to B, you're thinking about buying cycles of of customers, right? And so, product teams are continually solving problems to help identify these future unmet needs, and it's almost like they're taking their their uh, th- what they're doing and uh, they're taking their services that they're 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 offering and aligning it to what that customer's needs are and that's that adage of the b2b is something that we can all learn even as we start to bleed into b2c but b2c is a little bit different isn't it reed yeah it is they they call out in here um a trio a power trio if you will of marketing consumer experience and digital 
Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's kind of interesting. It's right? like the band Rush, right? The power trio. Marketing, <laughs> customer experience, and digital. I think marketing is like the Getty Lee of, of the band. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> I like that. They're talking here about the fact that B2C leaders, you know, create brand experiences and, you know, try to create loyalty through customer knowledge and kind of building that relationship. CX programs improve uh, customer experiences through voice of the customer research, inclusive design, et cetera. And digital teams focus on digital products, sales, service, et cetera. And I think having all these together, again, if you look at the lens of our world, uh, that's that's pretty compelling, right? Is you know, people driving those outreach efforts coupled with people uh, that are hyper-focused on the experience. And then if you think about digital and kind of the technologist within the organization of how it kind of wraps itself around, you know, us delivering on those promises is, is pretty compelling. I like this a lot. And this is kind of a, a, a very clear way of aligning marketing experience and digital together. I think, Reed, we've been kind of talking around this in, in, in many different ways when we talk about how marketing is evolving to be experience-focused and digital is evolving to be experience-focused. Thinking of this as like a power trio is this is really about using all of the strengths of each one of these individual functions within an organization to truly hone in on your customer and really develop, as they call it, right, the, the, the pace of the growth engine by connecting these things together. Now, that's not to say, Reed, we're not getting rid of traditional marketing or communications, and we're not saying just because they're not part of this trio, it doesn't mean that that there is a role there. But I think the role of marketing experience and digital together truly becomes the focus of a customer-obsessed organization. I like this a lot. The last thing they call out in here, the last group, I guess, of, of folks is technology leadership. So that includes things like, you know, the architecture and delivery and security teams, et cetera. They say working in concert with other consumer-facing teams, uh, they can magnify the impact by aligning quickly to meet future customer needs with adaptive creativity and resilience. I agree. You know, so much of what we do is uh, in the virtual space and, and online space that you know, having this group, you know, playing a role in how we become, you know, consumer centric is uh, is critically important. And it would be remiss of us not to kind of flash back to a recent podcast that we did about building that partnership between IT and the work that we do, right? Because I think this is what we're talking about. In episode 325, when we talked about digital marketing and the IT partnership, we kind of outlined the differences between the IT departments and digital marketing and how we sometimes are solving different problems. But here, with a customer-obsessed organization, if you could bring your technology to bear and you could leverage your this the, the leadership, the architecture, delivery, all of the things that we talked about to help support that customer focus of what you're trying to build, then suddenly now you can leverage things like your EMR to help with your marketing efforts. And you can use different tools in your your overall toolkit because now you're aligning your tech strategy with your customer growth strategy with, well, 
customer growth, really what we say is customer retention strategy here, right? That's the primary piece of this. I think it all kind of fits together. You know, if you haven't listened to episode 325, jump back and do so after you listen to this one. But I think this is is this is really helping me to understand this concept of consumer-obsessed organizations. But Reed, I think a big part of this is just talking about customer experience. And I, I think it would we should, after the break, come back and talk a little bit about customer experience because this will put it all into, into light. It kind of ties it up in a nice, neat bow. So let's take a brief pause, and then we'll be back to talk about customer experience. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. As we kind of jump into the last segment here and kind of start to wrap things up a little bit, we're going to point towards a, a, an article um, or an insight uh, blog from McKinsey, simply titled, What is CX? Right. It's a pretty lengthy piece and has a lot of some pretty meaty content, but wanted to you know double click. I like how everybody says that now. I'm going to double click on this for a second. <laughs> we're, we're going to we're zoom in a little bit and talk about a couple of things, right? So one is... You know, we've talked about consumer journeys for a while. And so as we think about the consumer experience, it really is about the journey, right? So like, how do you know what that is? When you start to look at, you know, consumer experience, they call out in here uh, three efforts that can help move what they call from touch points to journeys. So again, I think we know like, here's where they come in contact with us every so often, but how do you start kind of putting that together in more of a linear fashion, I guess, to see what the consumer sees and thereby, you know, uh, able to align your efforts to that. So three things we'll jump into. First one being observe. So put yourself in the customer's shoes, what do they see? Uh, you know, can help you uh, organize and mobilize employees around those needs. So in addition, they say to identifying and understand the journey, you'll need to quantify what matters to the customer and define, you know, clear aspirations and a common purpose. And that sometimes can be a little difficult to do, but there's a lot of organizations now that have started to really build their customer experience capabilities, either in-house or in partnerships with uh, outside firms to do that, right? I remember in the old days when we were doing customer experience work, we would go out and we would watch the customers interact with, let's say, in their waiting rooms and see what they do or checking in for a primary care appointment to try to help improve that journey through a digital solution. In this particular case, it's, it's going even further in that now you're able to get understand like even their their feelings at the times that they're making decisions throughout the entire journey. We have a number of episodes on this on on how to do this. So go back into our catalog, you could take a look at it. The second piece they highlight here, Reed, is shape. When you design your customer experiences, those interactions have to be reshaped into different sequences. And even if you start small, it could swiftly become much larger. And create an entire digitization of the process, a reorientation of how we do things. 
and even simple refinements in the field. And, you know, I keep talking about the work that we did around understanding how people make appointments online. That actually caused us, myself and the IT team and the operations team, to rethink the the entire process of how customers make appointments online in order to reshape it to make it easier on them because we we didn't want them to get lost in sort of the minutia of every step along the way. Shaping your experiences is a big part of this. So again, observe what they put yourself in the customer's shoes. Um, you know, understand that you have to reshape uh, maybe what you're doing today and and think about you know what that means. And then finally, the thing that they call out, which I think is pretty telling and, and needs to obviously be kept in, in mind is, is perform. And so they're talking here about the fact that making the transition to prioritizing the consumer and ultimately their journeys, that's a journey in and of itself. I don't know, quite honestly, uh, I'm not sure you ever really finished this, uh, right? So um, it takes commitment and leadership within the organization, but it takes commitment uh, across the organization down to, especially in our case, the, the caregivers, the frontline staff, you know, people that are engaging the consumer to really understand and help build what these journeys look like, you know, what it entails, how we better prioritize, how we become more consumer centric. Underscore what they say here, that the journey in itself that takes years and requires deep engagement from within the company. This isn't something you could turn around in three months, Right. This is a discipline, a a muscle that you have to kind of build in order to be good at it. So don't get discouraged by early tries into the into this, and um, you know not getting exactly what you want. It, It takes a while to kind of hone in on this. Now, when it comes to digital customer experience, this article says companies are increasingly aiming to transition to these predictive insights. And I know we've talked about. There are technologies and tools out there that could help us with these, uh, with with developing predictive insights. Some leaders, customer experience leaders, are really pushing in on this. Let's end today's conversation talking about some of those three key elements to help you build a predictive CX platform. What is one of those, Reed? Yeah, so the first first of the three that we'll mention is a customer level data lake. Um, so this is something that actually we're having a lot of conversations around because information lives in a lot of different areas, right? So how do you bring together customer, financial, operational data, et cetera, so you have an understanding of what these experiences are? You can get some way to query that and, and tie into a source of truth. Yeah, so this is like more than just a marketing CRM. This mm-hmm. is getting into pulling data together of like understanding how they interact with different elements of your of your system, right? And um, it could even be like, you know, if they intake here and then they get discharged to another location within your health system, what does that mean? Also wrapping in the concept of a cons- consumer data platform or a CDP, right, into this could help with, with uh, developing this customer level data lake. The second piece though, Reed, is predictive customer scores using analytics that track what's influencing satisfaction and business performance. Again, I'm thinking about we do have uh, propensity models in marketing CRMs, but this is a little bit more than that, right? Yeah, uh, this is interesting, right? Because I don't know that we have any scoring specific to an individual patient in any way. 
But again, how do you prioritize? What do they look like? What are you trying to get them to do? How do you best you know, model and have one-to-one conversations? I think the customer scoring is, is an interesting one. Um, I think it'll be you know, interesting to see how we potentially attack that going forward. The last thing they call out is an action and insight engine. CRM is an easy one to point to. You mentioned the, the uh, you know, CDP. This is where you can really ingest all of this information to put your outreach in, in your engagement in motion, but also have those insights of, you know, where do we go from here and what are we doing? What are we seeing? This is probably the, the hardest thing to do until you have that customer level data lake and your predictive customer approaches, right? The analytics to do that. Implementing an action and insight engine without those other two elements, this is almost like three legs of a of a stool that you need in order to actually get yourself to the point of becoming a CX organization or a customer-obsessed organization. So, Reed, I, I'm kind of encouraged by what we're, what we're saying here because in today's conversation kind of synthesized a lot of these thoughts that we've been having over the years and really focuses us in on becoming very much customer obsessed. And I think that that is definitely an important part of my job and yours, clearly. And, and I think that many of us in the organization, while we could talk about being customer obsessed, hopefully uh, what we talked about today gives us some steps, concrete steps about how we could get there. Yeah, this is just such a, it's a very broad topic, certainly. And um, it's not something you saw for quickly. This idea of becoming customer or consumer obsessed is a, a mindset in one respect, right? And we, we heard a little bit of that through some of these articles and, you know, how do you, how do you more focus and, you know, it requires leadership buy-in and, and all of those things. And then there's some practical and kind of tactical ways that you can support that, you know, once you have that in the, in the organization. So it's an interesting and, and kind of evolving space for sure. Well, let's take one last pause and then we'll be back to close out the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, uh, another great episode. Great time to kind of bring this to a close. Again, certainly appreciate all the support. We mentioned the TPS report early in the show, and you know, hopefully, that's kind of value add in a way that you can uh, get a few articles to to kick off your week. Also, part of that email are links to upcoming conferences. Uh, so be sure to check that out. And I uh, would love to love to say hi if you're going to be anywhere that we are. Uh, Chris and I are pretty active on LinkedIn. It's usually probably the best way to track us down, uh, but shouldn't be shouldn't be too hard. Should be able to find us. So reach out, let us know topics, guests we should have on, etc. So all right, uh, let's do some recommendations. What do you what do you got today? Reed, it's uh, the weather's changing. It's becoming spring, warm here. Summer's just right around the corner, as we've talked about before. I was thinking, like, I want to get ready for for the weather to come around, and something that. 
I typically wear when I'm not at work during the summertime is a t-shirt. And, you know, the t-shirts come in all different flavors and sizes and different types of things. There's graphic tees, there's, you know, just regular tees or whatever, but an all purpose kind of t-shirt that you could wear underneath your uh, dress shirt if you need to, or you could wear it out on a hot summer day, you know, sitting out, sitting on the, you know, the side of a pool or maybe on a boat somewhere, you know, just a regular good all purpose t-shirt is something that is always difficult to find. And every year I tend to try to go out there and and find like a really good t-shirt that I can kind of wear all the time. And I think I found the kind that is going to be top of my list moving forward. The company is called Gildan, G-I-L-D-A-N. And they make really a a variety of different styles of t-shirts. But the one that I'm particularly interested in, and I actually purchased it just recently off of Amazon and it it came and it's great all-purpose shirt is the Gildan Men's Crew T-shirt. I think of it as an all-purpose T-shirt. It uh, comes in multiple different colors. The multi-pack that I bought, white, gray, black. The weight and the quality of the shirt is tremendous. First of all, it's a high-performance shirt. What that means is if you sweat in it, it wicks the sweat away from you, which is good. Yeah. Everybody likes that. The other part of it is it just looks really good when you're wearing it. It looks like a really professional t-shirt. It's the right length. I'm a tall guy, right? So I, I want it to have a little bit of length to me. You could wear it without anything, like wear it with a pair of shorts or a pair of jeans in the summertime. I'm telling you, when I got it off of Amazon, really great price. A six-pack, 20 bucks. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a t-shirt this week. The Gildan Men's Crew Neck t-shirts, by the way, they also have v-necks if you like them. Look for the uh, the multi-pack all-purpose shirt. They also have heavier weights and lighter weights of cotton, but this is the one that I think is going to be the one I'm going to be wearing the entire season here until August rolls around. That's my recommendation. Very nice. Well, I'm also going to recommend a shirt, uh, <laughs> kind of. I'm, I'm recommending a brand that I have a shirt of, but they make other things, pants and shorts and pullovers, you know, that kind of thing. It's a company called Johnny O, J-O-H-N-N-I-E-O. Um, really nice uh, dress shirts, uh, polos, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, people that are fans of like Peter Millar, um, I think the their lead designer moved over to this company. So really cool stuff, really nice stuff. And yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the materials they use. You know, it's kind of that performance, you know, dress shirt, you know, kind of kind of piece where, you know, you can wear it in a variety of settings, whether you're playing golf or at the office or kicking around on the weekend or whatever it may be. But uh, they even have, you know, like things like sandals uh, and, mm. suits and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So lots there. Be sure to check it out. Johnny O. Men's, uh, they do have some boys stuff, but uh, but yeah, so be sure to check it out. That's really great. And sometimes maybe you can even combine our both recommendations together at certain times as needed. That's right. I love it. So welcome to the uh, the Touchpoint Clothing Recommendation Podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Another great week, another great topic. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to tell a friend. We'd certainly appreciate that and sign up for the TPS report. Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith. We'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.